So hello, all you beautiful people. That's what the, the guy up here is supposed to say, right? Can't speak for Lloyd on why he says that in the morning, but I can say that you guys being here and wanting to, to know more about God and about Jesus and stuff, that does make you beautiful. <clears throat> So let me tell you how my day started off today. My, since I live at the plant where I work at, the first thing that happened this morning at 5.30 in the morning, which was 30 minutes before the, the first operator gets there, was there, there was a filter failure. And so that called out to me and called out to my house to wake me up <clears throat> at 5.30 in the morning. Some of you were like, 5.30, you should already be up by now. Except that currently I'm working a midnight shift, so I didn't get home till midnight last night. And so, and then going to bed. So I got a few hours of sleep, so that was fun. <clears throat> the next thing, yeah. it's crazy how every day my kids will wake up at 4.30, five in the morning, just up, wide awake. Doesn't matter what time you put them to bed, they're awake first thing in the morning every single day, except for Sundays. <laughs> Sundays, my kids will sleep in, and it's a hassle to get them ready, and they don't want to move, and it's just one of those things, and that's consistent for us. <clears throat> then I went to go get something to eat, because I needed something in my stomach to be coming up here. And I ordered my food, and I got it. Everything was labeled correctly. I was like, all right, cool. Then we went to get some coffee. Then I went to go eat my food real quick, open it up, it's the wrong thing. Even though it was labeled correctly, they still had the wrong thing in there. So that was fun. But here I am, and we're gonna get this, get it going here. So I had this, it's already up to overcoming complacency with our neighbor's destination. And some of you might, might notice that I'm not the normal person that's up here. Uh, here on Sunday. Actually, I've never been up here to preach on Sunday morning, so when uh, BJ and stuff said you're in for a treat and stuff, you are, because this would be my first time. Um, and I know what you guys are thinking. Some of you guys are anyways. What is this guy doing up here? And that's the same question I've been asking myself for the past month. So let me give you a few tips if you too would like to come up here. <clears throat> first thing is show up, show up here on Wednesday. Early. Second, Make eye contact with the preacher. And that's exactly what I did. Came here, just something happened. I had my kids. We came here, we were here a little bit earlier, and Lloyd and there, and all his people that he was sitting there chatting with, and I made eye contact with him, and all of a sudden he just points at me. I'm like, what? So, um, that's definitely a way you can do that. Sometimes God kind of kicks you into a situation and says, hey, try this. Um, a lot of times we pray and we ask God to open windows for us, or windows, doors, I guess escape through windows, but just open a door for us, show us what we want to do. But sometimes God doesn't open a door. He kicks you through a door and says, hey, I want you to try this. Here's an opportunity. Let's go. Now, I could have answered Lloyd with a no. That would have been easy. And God would have found other willing people to do this. However, for a while now, I've been contemplating writing up some ideas uh, for sermons or teachings 
Um, I had a few ideas and I wanted to give to Lloyd. I thought that maybe he could base a sermon off one of them or maybe give me like a Wednesday class or something like that, a short one that I could um, present. Um, Those ideas never got put on paper and I never made the effort to further those thoughts. Um, I'm not the strongest speaker and most of the time I've spent up here has been for five minutes to give an exhortation and a prayer. So I continue to ask God, are you sure you want me up here on Sunday? But being that I am up here, and God let me live until this moment, (laughs) let's see if I can present something you can take home and build on. But if not, I know it's already been a toe-stepping experience for myself. So back to me having all those great ideas and thoughts that I wanted to get on paper but never got around to it. Um, After Lloyd made uh, the crazy suggestion for me to preach, I started thinking about some subjects. And why not talk about what I initially wanted to write down, uh, but also combine my lack of action into it, or for a better term, complacency. Complacency is a huge subject, and and it can get into every area of our life. Complacency is a state of being pleased or too comfortable in your present place, often without awareness of some, of some potential danger. Being complacent means refusing to work to improve. Um, you can tie almost every aspect of your life. Um, you, can, you can tie almost every aspect of your life to complacency. Um, complacency in the workplace um, happens a lot. I work at um, a water filter plant. Complacency can come in many different forms. I mean, my day-to-day, I could just not check the chemical feeds, or I can just not check my water quality and stuff like that, and just say, oh, it's always the same. It's, it's not going to change. Our water's really good, and just start letting that out. But that in itself can present a lot of danger um, and everything. And so being complacent, and you can probably see some of this in your own workplace, that being complacent in your workplace and stuff is not um, a good thing and stuff can happen that would be bad, whether you be getting fired or uh, you be ca- um, causing danger to other people. Um, some are complacent in marriage or being a father, a mother, or in your spiritual walk, you mean complacent. What about your diet? You don't get to look this good by eating salads and going for a run every day. This happens from being complacent. I was complacent in my past with my eating and my day-to-day habits, and therefore I had to change, change my uninspired, mediocre routine. I've changed, a, I've changed a complacent part of my life to humbly want, to humbly want change. Um, I put in here that I lost uh, 20 pounds in the last month, but as of this morning, it's actually 25. But the true victory is getting out of an apathetic mindset. I've broken free of a complacent routine and changed some habits. And I'm not up here to focus on complacency in our health. Instead, let's focus on complacency in our relationships. Specifically, our relationships, relationships outside of the church, our neighbors. <clears throat> not just our actual neighbors, but everyone we encounter. Some of you may be awesome at this, and your love for others um, oozes out. And that's wonderful. 
But if you, uh, but if some of you are like me, breaking your routine um, habits are hard. You might be like me, and you run into the store with your blinders on. You grab your items. You get out as quick as possible. You use the self checkout and leave without looking um, or talking to anyone. And it's easy these days. Society has made it so. We can do so many things without talking to a single person. You can deposit your money without face-to-face meeting. You can buy almost anything, like groceries, um, without, a, without any person to interact with. We can hurry home, pull into our garage, go inside without waving to a neighbor. And um, I've even been told that like, our porches on our houses are smaller than what they have been. So we don't have to interact with people. On most days, I could be the very definition of a complacent towards my neighbors. And the root reason is I don't care about their destination. So my three points today, maybe you'll get out early, are reality of hell, myths of hell, and overcoming complacency with my neighbors. So number one here, reality of hell. Why was hell created? And I'm sure if you have some kind of an idea, you could, you've asked yourself or someone that you know has asked you, why would God create a hell, this terrible place? <clears throat> and so we're going to look over that real quick here. Uh, we have Matthew 25, 41. Um, then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. So we answer that question with one verse. Why was it created? It was created for devil, for the devil and his angels. And then we read, uh, we read in Revelations 12, 7 through 9. About what happened to the devil. Why, why did they have to create this? And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. We can read more about this story uh, about the devil and his angels in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. You have this, you have this angel, and from what I can tell, was a leader angel in the ranks. He was a high rank, probably one of the highest, a five-star general, if you will. But because of his pride and a desire to be God and to be above God, he was cast down from heaven. We can see the who, and we have a sliver of an idea as to why it was created. But moving forward to today's day and age, we now have a world deceived by Satan. His only goal, 24-7, no breaks and no time out, is to gather as many souls of sinners and followers of God that he can until the day of judgment. And in 2 Peter 2, 4 through 9, we read, For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell 
in a gloomy pit of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people in a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into a heap of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of judgment. I enjoyed that verse this um, while I was making this. Um, the Lot part, that, that Lot was tormented in his soul by the things that he saw in his day-to-day life. <clears throat> And God rescued him from that and, um, when, he, when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was just something that kind of stood out to me this week. Um, and we have a couple more verses here for this. We have 2 Thessalonians 1.9. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And in Revelations 14.11. I'm sorry, kids. There's going to be a lot of up and down today. And the smoke and their torment... Uh, the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. We should never talk about hell without weeping. It is real. People are going there, and this is not a uh, subject for joking or lighthearted banter. It is an issue that should provoke within us both anguish and urgent commitment to share the gospel with those who remain in unbelief when i hear the word um when i hear people using the lord's name in vain it makes me cringe um because of what they're saying how they're saying it they don't know but it just it's just it just makes me cringe in the same way we hear people talk about their how their job is hell or damning something and the word hell should also make us cringe in knowing how real the place is. And in the same, um, in the same way, even when we see characters dressed as the devil or haunted houses reflecting hell, it's just not something that should be joked about. And I'm not an expert in hell, but it's clear that hell is a real place and it is for an eternity. And it was made because of Satan, for Satan and his demons. And it's also for the people who don't come to know Jesus. So now we got through the reality. So let's go into myths. So I got myths. I have two myths of hell. Myth number one. Don't I deserve to go to heaven? I'm going to tell you a story. Does anyone know who lives at 1835 73rd Avenue, Medina, Washington? Well, I know who lives there. It's Bill Gates. So one day I walked walked up to Bill Gates' mansion, his doorstep. I knocked on his door. 
And I know some of you guys are like, what? True story. I love Bill Gates, and I know who he is. I don't really know him. This didn't really happen. But anyways, uh, so Bill Gates came to the door with an uncertain look on his, on his face, and he said, hello. I introduced myself. Hi, I'm Justin. I was told you had a huge house, which he does, with plenty of rooms and a pool you hardly use. This sounds heavenly, so I packed my bags and I've come to live with you. Can I call you Billy? And which room is mine? And so Bill Gates seems shocked as he responds, What? I don't know you. I've never seen you before. So I looked at Bill Gates for a minute. Maybe he needs a reminder as to who I am. So I inform him, listen here, Billy. I love Windows. I use all your Microsoft products. And I even teach people how to use your products. That's how well I know Microsoft. I don't even mess with the Apple Fruit Company. <laughs> Except sometimes on Sundays, I have to. <laughs> With that same troubled look that hasn't left his face, uh, Mr. Gates replies, I don't know you, and I've never talked to you before. And he slams the door shut. Like he should, right? I don't know Bill Gates. It doesn't matter if I know his product or I, I buy some of his stock or whatever. I don't know him. I've never talked to him. I'm, I don't have any relationship with him. And likewise, likewise, it doesn't matter how good of a person we were or how many, what would Jesus uh, do bracelets we own. If we don't have a personal and intimate relationship with God, we don't know. Uh, he doesn't know us and we are not going to be welcomed into heaven. Matthew seven twenty two and 23. On judgment day, many will say to me. Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. That verse right there is, is just, it's saying that even people who know or are Christians that have cast out demons and prophesied, they are still not going to be welcome in heaven because they still broke God's laws. In Romans 3, 10 through 20, we see this. We kind of get a little better explanation here is, as scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Their talk is foul, like a stench from an open grave. Their tongue is filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery fo always follows them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people away from having excuses. And to show that the entire world is guilty before God. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. There is only one way. John 14, 6. Jesus told, told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And we need to be walking the walk.
And talking the talk, we need to be his hands and feet and his body. So myth number two. Hell is a big party and Satan rules over it. I don't know if you, there's a lot of, I mean, if you talk to people, it's like a big get together, right? That's what hell is. This is actually a couple myths into one. Um, And if we can remember the verses early, we can understand that this place is not ruled by someone. And God isn't going to reward the devil for the pain he caused by deceiving God's own creation to turn away from him. Instead, God created a place with no sleep and um, an eternal torment for Satan. Revelations 12, 12. It's not going to be up on the board um, in the slides here. Um, but Revelations 12, 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. Satan has been tossed out of heaven to earth for what? A couple thousand years? 10,000 years? And this verse says that he knows that his time is little. He knows what's waiting for him on judgment day, and he isn't, and it isn't to rule hell. Hell isn't going to be a big get-together with unbelievers. It's a lonely place, no time for socializing, no rest in hell. Who Jesus is and what hell is was really put into perspective after reading um, a book um, called 23 Minutes in Hell. Um, If you haven't read that book, I really liked it. It, um, It really put different perspective and it gave you a very good visual of this thing that this person says that he's seen, whether it's true or not. What, it was, what he said in there was, um, I really did enjoy. Um, well, I did not enjoy. But, it, you know. So, what, one of the things that helped me understand is that if some of you guys got through your questions this morning, I asked you to uh, randomly uh, describe words of Jesus. And... When you think of some of those words, the light, love, hope, warmth, comforting, holy, wise, these are all things that describe Jesus. And these are actually, these are all things that make up Jesus. This is who Jesus is. Without any of these, it's not Jesus. So all those words and all those descriptive things that, um, descriptive words that we describe him as, that's who he is. And all, um, uh, but after Uh, Jesus after judgment, all of these things will be with Jesus. Hell will not have love. They will not have a light or warmth or comfort. Jesus isn't going to be there. So that all the stuff that you have to describe Jesus, you can take that away because Jesus isn't there. But hell is going to be everything Jesus isn't. Hatred, pain, hopelessness. That's what's going to fill hell. So there isn't going to be a party and there isn't going to be, um, you know, Satan ruling over it and all this time to socialize or none of that stuff. There's just no. Number three, overcoming complacency with our neighbors. <clears throat> Talking about hell is not fun. Even thinking about it is dreadful thought. However, not talking about it can put us in a complacent mindset and we need to remind ourselves who God is 
And I think the first step in getting out of a complacent life, um, life is developing a relationship with God. In Mark 12, 30 and 31, and you must love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Talking to God, telling him what's going on in your life, asking him for help, wanting to know more about him. Um, in prayer, you know, we can, when you hear kids pray, I think it's awesome. I, I love hearing Courtney pray. She did it more, a little bit younger than what she was. She kind of um, doesn't do it as much. Sometimes she does. Um, she's telling us even today that, you know, she, she asked God not to, so that he wouldn't have, she wouldn't have bad dreams last night. And she, she said she didn't. And so, but before when we started praying and, and she started learning how to pray, um, she would pray for some of our meals and stuff. She would tell God everything, you know, she'd tell what happened during her day and, and, and people that she met. She'd pray for, you know, grandma and she'd pray for everybody. They eventually got to her. She's just making big lists and just saying stuff to just keep praying because we're all looking at her waiting. And we've had to stop her a few times. We're like, OK, and the food. Amen. But right now, she's, she's very specific. She's, um, thank you for this food, God. What meal is this again, Dad? This is lunch. Thank you for lunch. And, you know, just very specific. And that's the relationship that we need when we are talking to God uh, to have. Telling him about our life. Wanting to know more about what's going on, what, what we can do um, in our life to... to um, to be closer to God. Um, so the second part of this is having a loving relationship with brothers and sisters. Do we care about the people here in this room? Do we help each other in need? Do we share our own struggles with the people in here? Do we hide things from one another? Do we find excuses not to be here on certain days or find ways not to help in the small things here in this church. If we aren't developing relationships here in this building or other believers, then we are going uh, to miss the opportunities to help and share the gospel to unbelievers. I am not saying that we need to be in perfect harmony with one another, always agreeing with one another, but we should seek and take care of the needs of the brothers and sisters here. Um, this is easy to see. I, I can name off a lot of different people um, that I know that I can talk to here. Um, I know that will listen to me. Um, I, uh, I could talk to Harry. I know that Harry is genuinely interested in some of the things that I say. He'll I genuinely ask me what I'm doing. Um, and I know that he's real when it comes to that. Um, uh, I'm trying not to actually put anyone on the spot. Sorry, Harry. I was going to list some more people, but you're going you're gonna to take the brunt of it. I think last time I mentioned that you weren't here, so now you are here. I do appreciate a relationship that Harry, um, that when he talks to me and stuff like that, and you can tell he's just genuine. Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
And 1 John 4, 19-21, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen, and cannot love God whom he has not seen. This commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Number three here, remove your blinders and change up your day to day. When you see your neighbor trying to do something, maybe moving or doing a garage sale or planning a party, uh, help them out or offer to help them out. Help them achieve their goals. What's going to make them happy? You want to know someone who is really good at this? He's not here. He's actually in Nebraska. But Alan Biebenis is, he is someone who's always helping people when they come out to Nebraska. Whether it's to go fishing or hunting or needs a place to stay. Um, he gives them the best hunting spots, usually. Um, he, and he's ecstatic to do so. He, he loves looking for those opportunities I mean, Cindy and I have gone out there. He's, he's loaned up his camper, taking it to a camping spot for us. He's given us a place to stay. I've been out there, gone hunting. He's always, always helping people. There's always other people like, what did you do last week? Oh, I took so-and-so out fishing and, and you know, showed him some stuff. And um, he's not worried about what he's catching or what he's doing. He's just there to kind of – he's an awesome guy. Uh, another person who's awesome at this, um, it's actually his brother, Brian. Um, and this is just more of a recent one is, uh, we have this coworker. He's been there for a while, a couple years. Anyways, he just bought a house and, uh, I believe it's a mobile home. Um, no. Okay. Just a house. Anyways, this house was, um, kind of had some things wrong with it. A little bit run down. Um, it was, uh, I think it's wider cause I think it was accessible to wheelchairs and stuff. A little bit, a little bit different built. But anyway, so this guy is trying to fix up something. He bought this house. He's super excited to move out of his, uh, of his place that he's staying at, moving to this place. And so he's doing some home improvements, you know, trying to do the trim and um, reinforce some of the boards and just do it. But he is a person who has no experience in that, but he is a do-it-yourself kind of person, like duct tape and glue kind of just fixing stuff. So anyways, he asked Brian uh, to borrow, uh, I, I think it was his um, nail gun, which actually he's been, I've been borrowing, everyone's been borrowing it from him lately. But uh, he asked him to borrow it, tell him, you know, what he's going through. And Brian said, hey, let me go out there, um, let me see what you got going on. And this is, this is coming from this person he's telling me, uh, and this is not Brian telling me this. Um, he's telling me that when Brian saw what was going on, that Brian was like, all right. This is, we're going to change this. We're going to fix this. We're going to make it better. He sent him to like Home Depot to go get some stuff. Hey, take care of this. I'm going to start fixing this stuff. And uh, he said that when he got back, Brian already finished like all the trim. It was pretty much just twiddling his thumbs waiting for him <laughs> to get back so that he can continue uh, what they're doing. And that's awesome. Um, that, like I said, that, that was actually coming from a coworker telling me about Brian. Um, he's, so it, that's awesome. It's something that he was excited for. Brian was able to help him in that area. Um, and, and that's great. One of the other things, uh, one of the other people 
uh, that I like hearing from. Uh, she's not actually not here today. And I actually told her um, a few weeks ago. Um, but I love hearing Natalie's story. Um, I love hearing how she talks to people in her work, how she's praying for people, um, uh, the different things that she's going through. I know she's going through a lot of hard um, times um, and different things that's going on in her life. But hearing that even though some of that stuff that she's going on, she's able to still witness to people at her work and pray for them and and people know to come to her for prayer and stuff like that. I love hearing um, Natalie's story on Wednesdays and stuff when uh, when we uh, talk about that stuff. So we need to purposely walk in. Instead of going through a drive-thru, pay for someone's pay for someone's groceries or gas. Let them know God has given you so much that you have to give it to others also. Um, again in Mark um, 12, 30 and 31, we're just gonna read the 31, I think, is the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I don't know about you, but I care about myself. I care about my day-to-day needs, and I really care about my eternal destination. As Jesus says, you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Self, Therefore, we should also be caring about their eternal destination. If we are quick to make excuses, we need to stop the excuses and make it a point to talk to people. Um, make it a point... Uh, to care for people in their um, and their eternal destination. Um, I do want to conclude here. Hell is a real place, and we need to heal our spiritual complacency about our neighbors. People you know are headed there, and people um, stop. <clears throat> excuse me. Stop your apathetic heart. Stop hiding and coasting by, and instead. Lead and engage others to the one who saves. In Romans twelve eleven we read, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. If we, if we honestly examine our hearts, don't you think we have fallen into the abyss of complacency? I know that I have. May we all become passionate for God, loving the Lord with our whole heart and mind, in caring for others more than ourselves, and care with zeal about where they may be headed. I have a short video here, and then we will wrap things up. Just like I designed the plan for this parking garage, God has a plan for each one of us, and it's a good plan. You can have a firm foundation just like that building.
just lost me five million dollars because you didn't file some document. Um, a document? Like what kind of document? You tell me. You're the agent. I. Oh shoot. Is it the? Uh... It is. Yeah. That's what this is for. So uh, I don't suppose you'd still like to go to. There you go. Some, some examples. Maybe not what you should be doing. Not what you should be doing. Okay, thank you guys for enduring. I don't know how long I... I'm not too bad. Okay, so a couple uh, announcements and we'll let you guys go again tonight. Hospitality night. If you don't have some place to go, my suggestion, ask a couple people what they're having. You know, then I like I like that. I'm not gonna tell you how to pull pork because I don't want him to run out. But there's definitely some good options uh, today. And if you do see someone that maybe they don't have a place, maybe you should invite them uh, to come. Um, they they told me some stuff to announce, and uh, I don't remember everything. Uh, let's see. I think it was uh, Tim Hawkins is next week on Sunday, but I don't know why we're announcing it. There's no tickets, so you're not going if you don't have one. Um, but just a reminder: if you do have a ticket, hey, you get to go. Um, Wednesday, there's the thing, right? The, yeah, the RJCC. Yeah, it, that's gonna be at seven. Just give me your service, okay? So, uh, so we have, so Wednesday we have a prayer meeting and RJCC speaker um, is coming up uh, then. Uh, Saturday is youth group. Uh, snacks is a big question mark. So if you want to bring them snacks, then cover. So sign up for a different day. <laughs> Think that's good, yeah? Okay. Well, if you guys all want to stand up, I'll say a prayer here, and then you guys can go. <clears throat> Dearly Father, I just want to thank you so much for um, just another beautiful day, a day that we can come here, worship you, remember your son, sacrifice that he made. Um, just thank you so much for these services. I just pray that uh, we definitely can be an example, an outreach to people, our neighbors. Um, I pray that we can and will consider their destination, Lord, and just be a serious thing and uh, just let them see the love that um, that we see that you've given to us, Lord. And uh, let us just be able to start this week off strong and uh, just have a good uh, rest of this uh, day, um, a good time in fellowship with other Christians, um, those of us who are um, going to go to other people's houses. And I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
fabulous. You shouldn't have done such a good job, bro.